<laughs> that little <laughs> rattling well, sound. It's, it's it's great. It's great. And again, as a, as someone who is wanting to sing, or if you're singing, it gives you something to do with your hands. Yeah. We are back 2023 on The Voice Podcast and starting with a bang. So we have today with us a new club forming its creation in the person of Ryle Fitzgerald, Mason Forcy mckinnon and Joao Vaillancourt. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thanks. So, and all of three of you, what you have in common is that you are all musicians, obviously, for a music club, yep. each of you having different paths, and of course, SLC students. And so let's start with a bit about the new creation of a music club. What's the goal behind of a club? Which What do you want to achieve with a club? Well, pretty much the idea is is when we, when we uh, started going to the open mics and stuff, we'd have people that would just show up, but they wouldn't play. And they would, we'd know that they play instruments, but they'd be a bit nervous to do it. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is we're just trying to encourage musicians around the school to just pick up and play. Yeah. You know, realize that it's not as intimidating once you get up there. I mean, it might be intimidating, but, you know, to get through it, it's uh, it's a really good feeling. It's, it is. And how I just want to come to that. Uh, you all have played at uh, St. Larry's so far. Well, it's, and, a, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, last year it was COVID time, so that was my first year, and yeah. I, we didn't get the chance to play in the pub, obviously, but now having this year uh, and getting the chance to play, and it's such a good space, too, um, and a big part of why we started the club is to get some traction going, to turn the, the pub and that space into uh, like a, an event spot for musicians, uh, get some Kingston bands to come down so not just for SLC musicians but mm -hmm. for Kingston musicians and uh, really really just trying to expand and make it a, a hot spot for yeah, that's true like music like, uh, the Kingston music scene has a lot of artists right. always looking for a spot to play and to express their talent and sometimes uh, it's like difficult to find bookings uh, around yeah. all those pubs and yeah. they're already taken you have to take weeks sometimes months for some of them yeah. is there like uh, uh, a level which you at this club which you should be in terms of musical talents i think any anyone who's interested in music mm -hmm. is uh, is welcome to join especially because if you don't know much about music or don't have experience with music but you're around people who are musicians you're going to pick up what they're doing yeah. Uh, they're gonna musicians instinctually teach each other so uh, even teach people who don't play music who are interested in music so if someone tells me they're interested in playing guitar i'm going to show them a few chords just to get them started because mm -hmm. that's all they need and then they're they're on their own you know and it's amazing because we act as a backing band for the pub so if someone wants to come up and sing we they say uh, uh hey uh, can you guys learn the Bruno Mars song or uh, uh, any any song, um, some by Queen or something, and, and we'll learn it and, and they'll be able to perform. And there's a lot less anxiety when you have a band or people to play with, you know, like yeah. when, when you're not alone on stage, it, it's welcoming, you know, and I think that's important for musicians because there's a lot of anxiety getting up on stage. And when was for each of you the first time getting on stage, uh, starting with you, Roa? Uh, first time yeah. I was on stage. I took piano lessons when I was younger, and uh, I used to do, go all to like these recitals where all the 
students would go into the church and we'd dress up all fancy and then we'd play. One time I got disqualified because the judges found that, noticed that my book was upside down, my sheet music, and then they discovered that I couldn't read music, so I had to start from square one, so then I stopped taking piano lessons and just kind of started teaching myself because uh, I was already playing by ear. Um, but then my first real show, I would say, played in a jazz trio with my grandfather and uh, this other um, guitar player when I was maybe 13 years old, and that was a really great experience. Uh, play like cocktail parties and all these fancy events and uh so he really taught me uh, taught that taught me a lot yeah for sure that's amazing and how about you mason your first ever stage experience i've got three answers for that yeah it doesn't really make sense but it will in a second uh before i was a musician I uh, made a very sad attempt at beatboxing when I was in grade three. I'm not going to talk anymore about that. Can you give us a yes, Yeah, I was. I do not. Uh, it's, uh, it's left my system. And then I was a cowbell player uh, for my school band. And then I eventually realized, oh, I do like music. And then uh, started learning and playing the guitar. So what I did was I learned the guitar without telling anybody for a year. And then went to the talent show and then played. And then everyone was like, wow, Mason, you play guitar and stuff. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so, and uh, how about you, Riley? Your first stage? Well, uh, I, I started playing music when I was 17, right out of high school. And it was at the same time I stopped playing hockey. And I had been playing hockey my whole life. So I was performing on large scales prior to this in a different way. I was still performing for a crowd, but as a hockey player. And so I, I was already quite comfortable with the concept especially having a lot of eyes on me and, yeah. and having that type of pressure. I was, I think I was 18 or no, I was, sorry, I was 19 when I first performed on stage and it was in Cornwall, uh, Ontario in the, in La Maison. And it was with my band is Bister. And that that's me and my brother and our friend who I first started playing music with. So when I first started playing music, I got a bass, my brother got a guitar, uh, our friend got a drum kit and we started as a trio and that's how we perform and it's like all very different and very how did you learn and with whom did you learn and different schools of uh, learning for example uh Joa, you coming back you said your grandfather earlier uh was the one which you played at cocktails and everything so was he the one that really uh, brought you into music well he was a music teacher and he was a worked as a professional musician uh he had big bands and whatnot but um yeah he had my uh, uncle's drum kit that he left at my uh, grandfather's house and then while he was playing i'd go and i i just beat the Smash. crap out of the drums yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd be uh, he, then he kind of showed me he's like okay if you're gonna play with me uh you know maybe you should learn a few things so i me i had an interest in it and then mm -hmm knowing that they've already, you know, had a career as a musician. Yeah, I definitely picked their brains and wanted to learn from them. It, it, it was a big help for sure. Yeah, very yeah. fortunate to have that. You know, it, it's, it, it is cool because both, both of my grandfathers played um, in my hometown shows. My grandfather used to play the pizzeria in Alexandria and all, mm -hmm. all the all the old people back in my hometown. They always, oh, I remember when your grandfather used to play. And then now I'm playing around the area and they're like, oh, you're so-and-so's grandson. No yeah. way. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. For you, uh, Riley, you are self-taught. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. So like just think that music can be from different uh, openings and different sources. Yeah. For you being self-taught, how was your experience? Most, I'm most intrigued transitioning from hockey 
to yeah, music. Yeah. That's what I want to know. How did you get into music after? Because you yeah. were playing in front of crowds, so yeah. I think it was at a stage where, yeah. and 17, you still have time. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So I played hockey for my entire life. I was, I think, three years old when I first started. It was my my entire life. I was an athlete, a very serious athlete, and it was a big part of who I was and my personality. And I had nothing to do with music. Um, growing up, I had idols like uh, Michael Jackson. Um, Michael Jackson was huge for me when I was like nine or 10, I felt I had an entire outfit that was Michael Jackson. I had yeah. like the shoes and everything. I had the moonwalk down. Um, like I was, I was Michael Jackson for a little bit. Um, my dad only liked country Western. So like Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and my mom liked El Elvis Presley. So there's a big influence of, uh, of older music. And uh, they both loved Supertramp, but neither of them were very musical. So we were not a musical family in any way. Music was uh, enjoyable, but it wasn't important. Um, and I had a lot of idols uh, going forward, but it was when I started listening like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And, uh, you know, I was in high school, I started smoking weed. And that really, like weed and music changed my life simultaneously because in combination, I was able to discover a new, a new way to enjoy music. You know, it was, it wasn't the same anymore. It was, it was altered and it was uh, enhanced in different ways. You know, I had the ability to look at music without worrying about what I was doing later. And that was something I didn't have prior to it because I was so focused on, I got to get to practice tomorrow. I got it. Like I was in, I was very scheduled and smoking weed stopped that. It was like, Hey, why don't you start living a little more in the moment again with in combination with that my brother started playing guitar and he was an athlete too so to see him be able to do it i was like if he's able to do it i can do it so i he taught me my first riff which was a song by kaleo uh can't go on without you and it's a finger picking song on acoustic guitar so it's a very pretty song it's still if i want to impress someone it's one of the songs i would pull out because it's very it's very gorgeous. And from there, I, like, again, I was playing bass, so I knew that I was capable. Getting up on stage was nothing. Like, I could get up, I still know I can get up in front of any crowd and, and just do what I do, you know, because it's, it's, uh, if anything, they, they pump me up, you know. I'm used to the feeling of, like, an arena of, of people, you know, or really loud parents, you know. Like, they can be crazy loud. The arenas echo. So like, I'm used to the sound of people just screaming at you, you know, and it's it's a good feeling. It makes being on stage easy. <laughs> uh, you truly have this uh, feeling with music. Yeah. And we'll come back to that for each one of you. And Mason, how was it for you? How did you learn music? I didn't, uh, I didn't get to mention it, but it was actually out of spite at the beginning. My parents separated when I was about like, I was about 10 at the time. And I remember spending a lot of time driving in the car with my dad because he went to live with his sister. And uh, so like every other weekend, I'd have to drive there with my dad. I mean, I remember just listening to Rock 107. And of course, you know, the songs that I'd love at the time, ACDC and yeah. Crazy Train and all that stuff. And those were the first things that kind of tried to learn. But um, at some point, uh, my friends, they were starting a band and I didn't get to be a part of it because the only thing they knew I played was cowbell. <laughs> I didn't get to play and I was kind of told like, you have no musical ability, so. You can never have too much cowbell. I know. Yeah. Oh, there was already a cowbell player at the time. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so I decided, all right, I'm gonna learn guitar. And then it just, uh, I worked at it and worked at it. And then uh, eventually, um, I also found that I liked 
writing poetry. It ended up meeting each other when I was in, uh, oh, officially grade 10. I tried to write a song for the, uh, if, if you know Shakespeare, The Tempest, I wrote a song uh, for a presentation, and I guess that was the first time I played and, sing, uh, and sang in front of uh, my peers and did not know how to sing at that point. But uh, surprisingly, it didn't turn out too bad. But uh, after that, I decided to just start learning to sing and writing songs at the same time, just to see what like fit best and not have to like perfect somebody else's song. I'd rather it be something of my own. But I just love those little backstories. Playing at that pizza place, for me, it's, it's amazing, you know, like uh, your grandparents used to play there and now you're playing there. Uh, and for you, that feeling of already knowing what the crowd is like, but mm -hmm. taking that step and being all honest about it, you know, like weed, how it helps you now to... Yeah. From the young... Music is really your jam and yeah. your personal story as well. How you came to listen to ACDC and mm. uh, Crazy Train all on those road trips. It's just inspiring. And that's, I think, is something where you take a lot of inspiration of and also can inspire a lot of students to join your club. Those who still feel, oh, maybe mm. I can't play on stage, maybe I, I'm afraid of a crowd. And I think those stories can, who are humans and mm -hmm. can just inspire the students to come and, hey, let me give this a try. Let me join yeah. this club, yes. you know? I want to join this club now. Yeah, you're more than <laughs> welcome to. That's... Last jam night, there was yeah. two people that came on stage and they just walked up to the mic and started singing, just no band. This one guy started singing Shape of You, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And then the crowd went nuts, like everyone was clapping. <laughs> and he, he rocked it. It was awesome. <laughs> What's uh, your relationship with music? What does music bring to you? Uh, let's start with you, uh, Mason, this time. Yeah. All right. I'd, I'd like to say probably energy. When it's done best, I mean, just that feeling of like almost adrenaline or goosebumps for a second. And it doesn't come around too much, but it's just that, like, especially when you find a song that you really like, mm -hmm. a band that you really like, it's just, it's the best feeling. And, like, um, the best times would have been, like, I used to play hockey as well, not to the level that uh, Riley made it to, but um, I remember distinctly, uh, now this isn't rock, but it's uh, Darude Sandstorm, I remember oh, distinctly. I in Napanee, uh, if you know where that is, just the next town over that way, kind of, um, they'd always play the soundtrack from NHL Slapshot. Like that, those were the songs that they'd play for the warm ups and the uh, and the buzzers. It's been so long since I played hockey, I can't even remember. But uh, I remember the warm up. You just hear Darude Sandstorm going, and you just you run out there get out and just start doing your warm-up and it was just yeah i can just picture it you're yeah. like pumped yeah. up during <laughs> sandstorms blasting crowds cheering yeah nhl slap shot was listen to that soundtrack it's uh or play the game actually but it's probably updated at this point but it was fun and how about you uh riley uh, what does the feeling of just music what does it bring to you I would say, um, well, music does a few things for me. Music, uh, music really calms me in a lot of ways. I would say music keeps me uh, keeps me very um, level, and a lot of times I'll put on music at the end of the day to let my mind relax. You know, I'll put on something that has a lot of space uh, to allow a little less congestion because it gets really congested, you know, in, in the busyness of a day. Um, so. 
the, a lot of times I use it just to calm down, but I think like music for me, when I'm experiencing it, it feels like I'm going to a different place. It feels like I'm leaving my physical self and I'm, I'm just going to, uh, uh, you know, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to my uh, inner inner brain and just kind of connecting with something else, especially uh, something like Pink Floyd. Uh, when you listen to Pink Floyd through headphones, um, it just you, you feel it in your stomach, you feel it in your spine, you feel it in your in your heart. In your in, it's just it's a whole uh, it's a it's a it's a real experience. It's not it's not just music. It's uh, it's an experience. And uh, how about you, uh, Joao? For me, it was just learning your instrument well enough so you can play it and get that feeling. Um, you know, when you begin to play with feeling and then you begin to really learn to how to express yourself on your instrument and uh, kind of just get in the groove of whatever your music that you're playing. Um, and for me, I love playing with other people, especially. Um, it's, a, it's a different level of connecting with someone, uh, especially in our, in our program here at SLC. In my class, second year MDM, I'm, I'm the only Canadian. We have people from Korea, Japan, India, Colombia, Mexico. So we have all people from all these uh, different cultural backgrounds. But, you know, we're all musicians. So when we all get to play together, um, it's really interesting to see how, you know, the music from everyone's culture and yeah. coming together. And it's like, it's really uh, amazing to, to see and to play along with these people. Yeah. Playing with people for you is like, you know, an amazing experience. And I guess it, playing uh, your genre, which is how, how do you like to call it? Rock, metal? How do you love to call your style, mm. basically? Band? Band? Playing as a band? Playing as a band. Yeah, yeah playing yeah. as a band. Or even collective. A lot of times uh, people aren't even solid bands anymore. Mm. You know, a lot of times it's just like uh, like my brother and I were. It's my brother and I, and then we just get other people to play with us. So we, we're almost like a collective now. Yeah. And genreizing is hard because a lot of times we'll go you go from rock to uh to something sounding more uh folky mm -hmm. or uh traditional bluesy or uh um even like i love i would love to experiment with something sounding very caribbean you know some with steel mm -hmm. pans some with like a really bright color you know and uh and that like it, it's very hard it's it's a lot of times uh uh you put slap a label like alternative on January 24th, so in three days, uh, my band Isbister is releasing two singles, um, one called Honey Boat and the other March of the Damned, uh, both written about experiences that my brother and I have had. And uh, we used, we again, like I said, we used a bunch of different musicians for this, uh, ranging from Hamilton to Montreal to Ottawa. Um, and they're all people that we're close with, one being my cousin, who, uh, who's an amazing singer from Montreal. Um, and outside of that, Russ Pump, my band here in Kingston, uh, which I recently formed with uh, Isaac Heathcock and Liam Lambert. It's a great name. Thank you very much. Thank Russ you very Pump. much. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're, we're um, planning gigs around Kingston as much as possible. In March, we're supposed to be... Uh, um, playing a gig at that pub. We're gonna be releasing our first single, hopefully within the next month or two, uh, called The Greaser. And that's a song that I wrote. 
the greaser. It's a yeah. semi about the basis. Uh, okay, can we get like uh, a bit about what it speaks or it is? Well, or it, what? it just tells a story about, uh, yeah. I guess, someone who just maybe feels a bit outcasted mm -hmm. um, and doesn't really feel like they belong, even in situations they belong in, you know, just, uh, I guess, it's just an inner anxiety which uh, creates a bit of an image of someone who is outcasted in a way. And uh, it's really easy for me to write something like that, considering even when I look like I belong somewhere, I still feel like I don't a lot of times. And I feel like that's a very relatable theme for people. So it's, it's I'll never say that songwriting is hard for me because it's I, I have very relatable emotions that I know a lot of people deal with, you know. And is like uh, something like uh, when, as a music club that you want to create, are there these things which then can expect like a bit of music writing, a bit of you know strumming, uh, getting to know a bit Absolutely. of instrument, like. Yeah. And is there a particular frequency you would love the students to group together and be with you as a club uh, to in a particular place or a frequency like once a week? Oh, every two weeks. Uh, yeah, well, definitely. Uh, uh, you mean like the once a week, like uh, St. Larry's Pub type thing? Uh, St. Larry's type. And also like, you know, a, a like something more, outside of that. Yeah, something yeah. outside of that also. We're, we're, yeah, we've been talking about that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to get a lot. We don't want it just to be the pub night. Uh, we yeah. want it to be more. Uh, again, because that's a very high pressure scenario being on a stage yeah. if if uh, for most people. Um, so if there's a scenario where you can be around musicians in a less high pressure scenario, that's what we're we're aiming towards. I, I think yeah, the club is just basically just going to be a big band collective. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. like the pub, the jam nights will be the okay. events, and then yeah. hopefully we can get some like practice times where the club members get together, mm -hmm. and if someone wants to learn a song and be like, oh, some musician would be, oh, okay, I know how to play the bass on that, or yeah. I know how to play drums, so then people can all go and jam. If you're around me or yeah. most musicians, yeah. we tend to songwrite all the time. Yeah. So like, we'll just be, uh, you know, playing with some chords and we'll say, oh, you like that? Okay, stick with that. Now let's try and write a melody. Mm -hmm. And it, it, a lot of times, if you're around that environment, it just happens, you know? Yeah. Songwriting is uh, can be very seamless. You know, it doesn't have to, it's not a high pressure thing at all. You know, a lot of times it's just words on papers and then you, you make it work. And and for you, Mason, songwriting, like you said, you had a poetry background. Uh, how does it come to you, uh, songwriting? So I'll be playing something and then um, I'll just kind of play around with it until I have something that I like. And then I'll just start singing, whether it be words or like the start of a story. It'll just kind of come out. So I'll have one line. I'll uh, I'll keep I'll play it again, sing that line and then sing another line, and then if I like, and then keep on doing that. Sometimes I can get past two lines, um, and sometimes I've even gotten a whole chorus just off the cuff, which is kind of like that's always a cool thing. But usually it's uh, more of just playing it, repetition, and then doing it again, and then just keeping that going, and being sure to write it down. Mm -hmm. oh yeah and not not going too far as fun as it can be um because a few times i've i've lost i'd have the greatest chorus i think i've ever written yeah and then i lose it <laughs> yeah, something yeah, happens but, and then it's gone yeah. oh, write it down yeah. record it don't lose it yeah. though because we, yeah. we lose shit all the time 
I gotta look through my phone all the time yeah. to see stuff I recorded like five years and I'm like, oh, I forgot about it. Exactly. That. You forget. You forget. So even when you record it, you still forget about it. Yeah. And then eventually you circle back to it and it's like, wow, I remember that. And I remember the feeling I had when I made it too. Yeah. There's so much that goes behind it. You know, a riff can sound like, a, it doesn't sound like much maybe to someone who doesn't have a relationship with it. But when you're the one who made it and you were feeling something during mm -hmm. it, like it really is something else. You know, you you have a lot more context and emotion, and uh, and the the point of it is to make the audience feel that as well, right? You want the audience to feel how you feel or feel the emotion you want them to feel, right? So, a lot of times we're we're catering to that extremely in our, our music creating. And uh, you wanted to speak about uh, club, yeah, uh, club events, I guess, Mason. Sorry, Paul, like going oh, on. Yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah. fine. Um, it's cool, like kind of. It's really interesting, like digging deep and actually like trying to figure out what actually happens when something happens, I guess, analyzing. Anyways, uh, getting back to it, um, <laughs> as far as the club stuff goes, I've I've had a few cool ideas on uh, what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, one of which is doing workshops. I've been in talks with a few different people to like do different things. So stay tuned for that. I don't think there'll be any charges for anything, just, you know. It'd be cool to uh, just come on by uh, if you're interested. Um, other things, I've had an idea to do a uh, an acoustic jam uh, because the open mic has become more of like a performance night, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's actually better that way because it gets you that experience being on a stage. You have a crowd and all that, um, and it feels like. I mean, the feeling of doing a gig once a week, like a proper gig that, um, I mean, not a proper, you know what I mean, though, like uh, just having the audience and all that. Um, it's great. And then being able to get that experience being, say, you're not used to that. It's great. Um, like, Sean, you should you should come one of these days just for fun. Give us a oh, song. I will. Come jam. Yeah, I will. Honestly, like and I say that to everybody. Um, just come on out. We're not. Uh, we're not judgmental. Judgmental free. You will come. You will have a fun time, and you will learn. You will grow. And those amazing lads, they are just like super enthusiastic about this club. And I can tell you, like uh, since the creation, Brandon has been like, oh, you know, it's super amazing that we're going to have a club about music. And I think it will do great. You know, having workshops again, uh, acoustic. I'm looking forward to that also. It's huge. Uh, it's probably nice. I can finally sing a good Bruno Mars song yes. in perfect key. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. that's my goal. If yeah. I join the club, that's what I oh, want. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know how to play it, so we can. Yeah, yeah that's it, I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll play bass and get the yeah. drums, and it's it's uh, yeah. we're a band. It's, but, a, uh, it's a night. I just want to give a shout out to Brandon because yeah. uh, if you know Brandon's, this is Brandon's uh, brainchild here. So yeah. and, and he's you know he's super enthusiastic and super passionate about True. his projects. And if it wasn't for him, he's the one who approached us and asked us to be a part of this project. Mm -hmm. um, so if yeah, if it, we wouldn't be here right now doing this podcast, if it wasn't for Brandon, then there wouldn't be a club without Brandon. Exactly. Uh, there wouldn't be events at SLC without Brandon. So he, we, we got he has been a highlight are, for me. Very like a student which has been so much into giving. He's a two hundred percent, you know, yeah. giving that energy. I, sometimes I ask myself, where does he find the time to do 
Uh, he's to, grinding, yeah. To grind to like all this together. <laughs> I see him at the gym. I'm like, how is he at the gym? <laughs> he was at St. Larry's 30 yeah. seconds ago. I'm like, he's amazing. And big shout out. Uh, and thank yeah. you, Joao, for pushing that up. A big shout out to Brandon for like all those open mics, Games Night, uh, Travia Night, uh, all that, uh, all those pub events, which mm-hmm. we hear, we, we witness now at St. Larry's. Mm-hmm. I really want to give a try to a bit of vocals because mm-hmm. I guess in terms of instrument, I'm a bit eh, <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lot of learnings to do. So of I would course. love to start with some vocals to really get, you know, Let's see. Give yeah. it a try. You know, in life yeah. it's just give it oh, a try. You got you... the pop star look. You got the long hair. Yeah, like, yeah that's it. Man it's already. Look, yeah. I'm a salesman <laughs> right now. I got the looks, but hey, yeah. need to deliver the vocals. You got 50% of it. Already. Yeah. <laughs> and you can always start small. I mean, vocals, there's vocals <laughs> seem easy sometimes, but there's a lot of like a lot of eyes on you. Mm-hmm. And like when I first started, I was doing I was even like, I'd be around people who are playing and I'd be doing the tambourine, yeah. like Mason said, cowbell, yeah. like just being a part of it, being a part of like catching a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's, you can, you can connect without a lot of pretext, you know, it's just, you have to be able to really tune in. Give me the tambourine. Uh, probably. The tambourine. Uh, exactly. Start it's, with that. It's fun. one of the best instruments, I'd yeah. say. I like the sound of it. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's, fun. it's those instruments. People will say the guitar, the piano, yeah. the drums. Overrated. Oh, no, no. Overrated. Oh, lovely. But like those little... You know, so at least if your guitar player is going on a solo for five minutes or... 10 minutes or I actually have one off. with me I carry one around yeah. all the time it's a strapped with them yeah it's exactly, exactly. I, yeah it's a when I strap to my foot yeah, yeah. yeah of course of course it is that is actually oh, yeah. a very good point that's a very good point yeah. like you can do stuff like that and uh you don't even need a band that's that's the fun part about playing with other people especially yeah. uh what we do with jamming with mm-hmm. we jam so much you know that's that's what that's what this is it's just mm-hmm. a, a club of people who like to jam I guess and uh you know, you play with people from uh, Korea, uh, people from uh, India, people from Russia, Ukraine, um, Hong Kong. Uh, we have a few people from Colombia, actually. Uh, and again, a saxophonist. Like, um, we have a beautiful pianist from Hong Kong, uh, Ted. Ooh. Ted is probably the best pianist I've ever heard. He's and he's an amazing person, like a really, really great guy. And he's just uh, one of the one of the many musicians in our program. So we're we just have a great atmosphere, I'd say, for for talent. Uh, so speaking of like that, that's that's what it does, you know. My turn. Getting up. On, so, so, no, I, I, an idea just came to my head. Please do. Um, so pretty much, getting up on that stage and doing that, it really like it's a real confidence booster, and it does get you out of that um, that state of like not really being able to communicate too much um at the same time anyways no it's it's just a great thing to do honestly um like me i i was i was a bit introverted you know back in the day but like uh just talking to people communicating with other musicians about what they do or them asking you what you do and just kind of that whole community aspect of all of it it it's fantastic like it almost feels like a family sometimes. It's like, again, like, you know, emphasizing on that aspect. And I join you on that. And I really like that aspect of collaboration that you all have. And I think it's yeah. essential for musicians to grow, to collaborate with each other. Because 
it keeps you cre getting creative more. You know, if you we can all be creative, but at some point our creativity hits a stone where like, yeah. how can I get more creative? And then just hearing, doing a collab with someone else. Oh, yeah, this huge. is new to me. It's huge. Like I can learn from that. And when you branch off being creative people, you can branch off so much and create something new. So I think collaboration is one of the best thing. In and for me, uh, blues music is kind of like the opportunity to cry. It's like an yeah. opportunity to really show uh, your bare bones, to show your uh, your soft underbelly, you know, and uh, in a lot of ways it exposes the hell out of you. You know, it really makes you feel isolated or even just makes you feel like, uh, you know, you're showing people some real emotion or some some the uh, what troubles you, you know, um, even if you're not directly speaking about it, you're showing the emotion. And uh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that confidently without doing that with a band, you know, like I, I can now. But at first I wouldn't have the confidence to get up in front of people with just an acoustic guitar and, and sing my heart. Uh, I did. And it was really difficult. But once I started doing it with a band, the pressure was off, you know, I felt like they were doing the same thing, you know, and we collectively were just crying and it works. You know, it sounds amazing in a lot of ways. Blues has been a genre which I've discovered like two years ago recently. Yeah. Like, it's really like, for me, I just transcend another level, you know. It's Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Takes me. And one thing, it's pretty bullshit, but I, what I want to experience with blues one day, rainy night, warm lights, <laughs> Cuban cigar, whiskey. And <laughs> I just want to- front porch. Yep. Yeah. yeah. yeah front I... porch, that's the big thing. You gotta be on some sort of porch. Uh, if you, if you have like, like mild <laughs> rainy nights, not super raining stuff, so just yeah. suffering, yeah. you know, that cigar. Oh yeah. my God, I yeah. think it would look great. Yeah. Like, I love music at school, but I always visualize that scene. I don't know when I listen to blues. It's just get into your thoughts and of course, like... well, it's it's the tone of the uh, yeah. sound as well. Like I play with uh, banjo lately, which is like kind of like a, it sounds very much like a banjo. Uh, and when I play blues on it, or even on my acoustic guitar, you can really get that feeling of uh, like sitting on a porch or a late night. You know, just just you and just the quiet night it's really incredible it's it's something uh, that you can't you couldn't experience in any other way it's a very unique thing okay so one thing which is very fascinating about all of you guys you have different bands new band coming up uh new name and uh, you have been five years now with County lads, tell us about the creation of this beautiful country, Celtic <laughs> rock band. Well, uh, where I'm from, Glengarry County, it's very much um, Scottish mm -hmm. community, uh, very East Coast, uh, Irish, Celtic. Yeah. Uh, you know, we um, it's it's big part of our culture. So uh, I think the the two brothers in my band, Alec and Hamish, they that's a huge part of their culture. They're both from Scottish heritage. So they, they started playing, uh, you know, uh, classic Celtic songs, um, traditional folk songs uh, in bars when they were like 12 years old. And then they, they said, oh, I think, then they started a band uh, with a banjo player and my friend was on bass um, and the banjo player quit. And then my friend said, oh, these guys need a drummer. So I just joined and uh, yeah, I've been with them ever since. And how has it been like those five years? You have been touring a lot. 
yeah. uh, with them. H how is touring? That's one thing which <laughs> I always long to ask. Like uh, you hear those big interviews of like super global brands, but I uh, global bands. But like, mm -hmm. how about you? Like being a local uh, local lads, yeah. As we say, so how is it touring as local lads? Well, around the country, it's we were just getting every gig we could get um, to start off, and we play anywhere um so we would spend a lot of time on the road we'd bring the trailer if we had to if we needed to sleep anywhere we'd yeah. sleep at someone's house uh, if anyone offered hospitality yeah. um but you know we we played a show one time in new brunswick and there were the four of us and then the lead singer and the fiddle player's father five of us in the pickup truck and we show up and there was a huge baseball tournament uh, uh, in the town that we were playing in None of the hotels were booked. So we were all looking at each other and was like, okay, who got the hotel room? And we all looked at each other. So we slept uh, in the Walmart parking lot uh, for that night. And then we had to drive 16 hours back and play another show. And then, so a lot of times, you know, we're, it's just we're trying to make it, uh, it's, it's the grind. So, but uh, like, I would like to know what drives you to do all of this touring, like, Like it's almost YOLO. Yeah. Let's do it. You know. Yeah, like, that's what yeah. it is. Every show is different. Yeah. Um, I, I we just want to go out and see places. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, no matter what it is, people will, even if people are like, oh yeah, we're having this party at this bar in this tiny town five hours away. We heard about you guys. We saw a video, and we'd love to have you guys down. And we're game. We're yeah. it, we're just like okay, let's do it. It's more about it's it's always an adventure. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's less about uh the, you know like showing up and playing and it's all for the music for the money no we, we it's more about the experience uh being on the road with, with the band and just having a good time seeing new places and that's really what it's about i think like the part of traveling and touring mm -hmm. and playing music is really one of the things which like mm -hmm. i think you know like traveling is something amazing to me you know mm -hmm. i always want for me i never want to have a house if I could like <laughs> I would just travel around the world endlessly till my last breath that's the dream yeah but I just love that you are able to experience it and that you see the beautiful picture of it you know like it's like even if it's a lot of grind and mm -hmm. some days are might be like but you enjoy it you know like yeah. five hours away you go you play and especially as a drummer like mm -hmm. I should have been the guitar player because and it's 3 a.m and you're at a bar and you got five hours of road ahead of you The last thing you want to do is pack up a drum set. <laughs> It's, drum could suck. But then again, because I'm the drummer, I take more time to pack up, so I let the rest of the band take care of the sound system. So I, I think yeah. it's... Uh, It all balances, it balances out. out. Yeah, there, there's no way they're standing there looking at them, packing up. I'll take my time. <laughs> exactly. Okay, tell us about this very beautiful, boring part, about the setting up and the packing up. How, how is it, like, touring and doing all those things uh, by yourself? You don't have a crew. No, so, well, we can yeah, Obviously. We had, yeah. we definitely learned as we go yeah. uh, how to work our sound. Like, every show we'd play, uh, we set up $100 a side to, and then we had, like, a joint, uh, uh, like, money set aside for the band to buy better equipment. So mm -hmm. we, you know, over time, we saved up and bought better, nice, nicer equipment. Um And there has been a few times, you know, when you're playing in front of huge crowds and you have your own system and then people are like drunk and then spill beer all over a speaker and then oh. you just want to like smash a guitar on their head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's very frustrating, but uh, 
And it, yeah, definitely have some, uh, they're definitely road worn for sure. They got some mileage on them. We've uh, used them a lot. Even my drum dollar equipment is pretty much yeah worn out. Well, it's tell stories. Do you keep them? Even if like, like a history, like a, Like even if they, if one day it goes like it's completely broken, will you keep it or mm. just will you? Do you have an emotional attachment to all those <laughs> um, yeah. drum heads? I've had, I've made like drum heads, and and I drew the logo of our band with mm -hmm. a sharpie. Uh, so if those ever get broken or whatever, I've sold some. Like yeah. people want to, or I, I just kept some. I, I have one hanging in my room here. I have yeah. one back home. Um, Or guitars too. I always, as a musician, you know, you always buy, you know, it's not a cheap hobby to be a musician. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a guitarist, I'm sure you're always going to want to buy, like Mason, how many guitars do you have? I, I couldn't even tell you at this point. You just <laughs> bought a double neck Gibson, right? Or Epiphone. Epiphone. But, yeah. See, like we just, no matter, we're never satisfied. We always need to have more, yeah. more toys. Pedals, amps, because it all changes the sound. So mm -hmm. like every little change you make, even just changing an app, it's a huge difference, but it's so costly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. even a guitar app, like my guitar app mm -hmm. is 76 pounds. So on its own, I have, that's one trip. And then the rest of my equipment comes after if I'm doing that alone. That's, that's, uh, that's not easy. That's not, that's not a, a simple thing to bring in and out of places. Um, But at the same time, you kind of need to cater to that. You need to have stuff that you can or is portable, and you have to make things portable without breaking everything, setting up and uh, tearing down every time, which is easy. Yeah. But I don't think we've played long enough where we have. It's not like Willie Nelson and his guitar trigger, where he's that thing is just, just wilting away. That thing is <laughs> he's keeping it alive as long as he yeah. can. I don't yeah. think we're anything is at yeah. that point yet but uh maybe down the road you know yeah if it, everything still yeah. works I, <laughs> yeah i still have my first acoustic guitar yeah. and i plan on keeping it forever so i i know one day it will be my trigger like it will just be uh uh falling apart from um you know decades of of usage unless it gets smashed by then i hope it doesn't but it's easy you know like even just putting it on a stand you can walk away from it and it could get nicked or fall or whatever They're very delicate. I uh, I dropped my Gibson last night. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I was recording Ooh. in the studio, and it was it was late at that point, and I saw like a shadow, so I was like, oh, oh, that's the time. The security guy came by, and so I I got up and to start like moving stuff, and it came off the strap. I usually have strap locks, no. and I didn't at this point. I saved it with my foot. But it like my my tuner uh, on the headstock is all bent now, and it's like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, that's an expensive guitar. Bummer. Gibsons are Gibsons are yeah. nice. They're they're oh, that's hard to hear. Sorry to hear that, Mason. Yeah, it was probably the most stress I've ever been through in my life. Yeah, no, <laughs> three seconds. Well, it could have been worse, I guess. Yeah, yeah we all definitely could have been worse. Oh, sure. actually. My first electric guitar had it a lot worse than that one, but yeah, that's why you don't put it on a chair standing up like this. Yeah. That was on my first gig, but we played with a band one time. Sorry, I got this other sure. story. So speaking of sound equipment, they had all their, they were playing at a wedding and they stored all this equipment down a hill and everyone, all the guys would go 
pee on this hill and throughout the night there was like hundreds of people so they kept peeing on this hill and their equipment got damaged from the pee from the urine, yeah too, uh, much. Yeah, too uh, much too yeah, much too much wetness that, now that would be <laughs> that's a life changer though could you imagine yeah I oh care. my god yeah no we we take uh, we we care about our gear a lot and uh and we have to because it's expensive and to replace to replace stuff would be really difficult you know constantly especially an expensive nice guitar or amplifiers getting ruined by urine which is just like worst case scenario <laughs> right worst now. worst case scenario <laughs> doesn't get much worse than that well taking a piss you know I, yeah, yeah. think uh, about where you're pissing next uh, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are things coming up to that what are the things like I know musicians like it's like embracing the crowd, you know. Yeah. Thing. But what are the the pet peeves you have that people do at shows that you're playing and you're like, look at that idiot. What is like are there things which irritates you, like when some things which crowd does? I know for DJs, it's like never I'll say DJ, hey, play that music, you know, play that track after that track or things like that. But clearly if you're if you're doing some like soft acoustic something like gentle or something more uh, intimate and then you have like a giant table of people laughing that doesn't really collide well someone right. yells free bird free birders like <laughs> requesting songs that's never great um, but if you're a loud rock band or if you're any type of amplified uh, band for the most part you can drown out the sound of people so it's mm -hmm. not it's not that's not much of an issue if someone were to come up and i've seen this a lot on uh, videos if if someone were to like grab your legs or something while you're oh, on stage, yeah. definitely not cool. Because um, you can just like pull someone out mm -hmm. from under them, especially you know musicians typically uh, like are really focused on what they're doing. So mm -hmm. if you do anything to them while they're in that vulnerable state, they're just gonna get knocked out or wrecked. You know, um, it's 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 scary. You know, because mm -hmm. if if you were in kind of a rougher place or a, a very congested uh, stage front you know and uh, people were grabbing at you or throwing something or you know anything like that you're you really are in a dangerous state your eyes my eyes are closed or half the time i'm singing or 75 of the time i'm singing so um i would get knocked out by anything i wouldn't even be able to duck anyone could just go up and pants you pants you yeah i watched a video of a guy playing acoustic guitar and uh someone came up and grabbed him by like just under the knees and just swept his legs Ooh. and he like Ugh. ate it and that's again that's the worst fear right yeah. like who you would really have to be playing something uh to uh, something like to aggravate that you know mm -hmm. or again drunkenness you're playing as musicians we're playing in places where people are super drunk you know so uh that cannot sometimes it, like joe said spilling beer uh i've also i've also seen people like taking shoes off musicians like that was a weird one i saw that the toucan actually in kingston mm -hmm. definitely a weird experience yeah. uh the so the crowd was just obsessed with the guy's feet for some reason took both his shoes off took his socks off he was playing guitar while they were doing it it was a really weird thing um but i would say that's the closest i'd get to a pet peeve yeah, is cool. like maybe a crowd getting obsessed with my feet yeah. not cool a foot fetish club <laughs> yeah i mean there's a time and place right it's yeah. definitely not yeah. while you're on stage yeah when you perform in front of a crowd you feed off the energy just as much as they feed off of yours mm -hmm. so you know if we go to a show and there's a thousand people and everyone's just like jumping and dancing and they're really into it and then that we feed off of that yeah. energy and then we're having the, that's 
you know, that's when a gig doesn't feel like a gig. You're up there and you yeah. do what you love. Yeah. But then there's times like we'll play a show like that and then we come back and we play another show and it's dead and there's no one and people are just there and they're staring at you and there's no energy. And then that becomes really hard to, you know, keep it lively and keep it upbeat and really enjoy what you're doing. But then, you know, you have stuff like that and then they'll come up to you afterwards and be like, oh, that was amazing. And you're like, oh, well, I'm glad you liked, you looked pissed, but <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. But uh, there's different, every gig is different. You never know what, you know, if there's going to be a good time, if it's going to be yeah. dead or you just got to give it, be super energetic and you got to give that same energy to every show. Sometimes it's harder than the other, but that's mm. just what it is. And Mason, I like to say probably this is more uh, like stage placement, um, especially like it all depends on the venue. But like if you have a place where you're accessible to the crowd, that's always the best because you can feed off the audience. Like some different farmers markets that have played over time and they just kind of put you. I mean, I love playing farm. Like, again, it's fun, but um, there are some. Uh, some situations where there's no crowd anywhere near you and you're just kind of there and it's uh it's kind of tricky sometimes but yeah, and uh like uh you speak like a lot of instrument like you're very i hear gibson i hear all those terms like speaking of instruments like give us a, like a very quick basic uh breakdown like what are your favorite instruments mm. and uh, why do you have like a specific a specific liking to that instrument yeah. a lot of basses for some weird reason i i love playing the bass but some cheap ones <laughs> so stuff that i can beat up and just yeah. not have a one that's really nice that i have to worry about um i do have a nice guitar fender strat standard um and i have an acoustic and uh yeah f as a drummer um i think my drums are my pride and joy for sure um because they're the ones i use the most for shows um I gotta make sure I, I always clean them. I always tune them up. Mm -hmm. I always like a nice car, you know. You yeah, know, you of course. <laughs> polish it, make sure everything's of course. You know, it's a baby. Fine tune, you know. Yeah, yeah, Vegas, yeah. <laughs> uh, Riley. Um, well, I, again, I still have the same acoustic that I originally got. Uh, so that is my ride or die, and that's what I used um, eighty percent of the day. So if I were to tally up all the time I'll spend on music today. Most of it will be acoustic. I'll spend a lot of time electric with other people, uh, but on my own, I spend most of the time on that acoustic. Um, so the guy who sold that to me, uh, he couldn't play anymore because his fingers were really sore and he changed my life and he doesn't really know it. And it, it uh, it's amazing to keep that kind of legacy alive because he was a hippie yeah. and that, that it was welcoming. It was very, uh, it was, it was good. Um, I also have a Stratocaster, which I love. It's um, my, also my ride or die for the electric side. Uh, I take a lot of inspiration from Rory Gallagher, who uses Stratocaster, as well as David Gilmore. David Gilmore is a big one for me, uh, Pink Floyd. Um, he and then- He played like, uh, he had a style of playing David Gilmore, which yeah. is like, he would grab it and so like- Yeah, yeah. He had, well, he had like a lot of fat bends. Yeah. Um, he would also play on a, 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 yeah. a, a lap, a lap guitar uh yeah. what would you call that um, steel guitar steel guitar yeah um that and again he was he was extremely talented uh, they both were um but 
outside of that, I have a, a Squire jazz bass. Um, and I, again, I said the banjo lately. The banjo lately was given to me as a gift. Um, I would never have gotten it for myself. At the time, I didn't even know what it was. Um, but uh, I had worked with a friend in the Rocky Mountains uh, in Banff, and uh, he was a chef, and he was going back to France, and he couldn't bring the instrument with him, so he gave it to me. And uh, to this day, I'm still writing music with it, playing music with it, and it, it's become a big part of my arsenal. Um, another person who probably doesn't realize how much they've affected me in a positive way. And for you, Mason? So there, again, it's funny, Stratocaster, Stratocaster. I have to say my ride, ride or die a year ago would have been my Stratocaster. And it probably still is. Um, I've had it for years and years and years at this point. But um, I've just been obsessed with my SG, which is the guitar that I dropped yeah, yesterday. I was say the one that you dropped. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, I've just been sitting here like, since I mentioned that, all I've been thinking is, ah, shoot, you know what? That didn't look quite right. Like the uh, the neck, I feel it has a dip now in the middle, mm. which like, uh, see, so yeah, I got the SG, I've got the Strat. I have a, uh, a Gretsch that I like. It's a, it's a really nice looking guitar. It sounds nice as well, but um, of course I have the double neck. I have like, it's funny. Um, I'm sure we've all kind of been through this at different points, playing more electric than acoustic or more acoustic than electric. And it's just one of those things that happens, you know, it really depends on like what kind of gigs and what whatever you're playing at the time is. But um, we got a tailor, uh, which I really saved up for. I've almost got it paid off now, but uh, that's been my go-to guitar for the past year. And that's, every every gig that i've played has been with that and it's i have to say it's taken a little bit bit of uh bit of damage but not too much and you have a cowbell and i have a cowbell yeah yeah, yeah. and two triangles <laughs> the triangles are good i love triangles like it's part of my musical culture from my island like triangles and we have two tribal instruments which we use where are you from yeah i'm uh, curious about that as well uh, I am from Mauritius Island. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's a small island near yeah. the southeast coast of Africa. Wow. It's close to Madagascar. That's where it is. So we have a, our own music show. It's called the Sega. Uh, it's uh, it's very local. It just sticks to our island. Amazing. And we do have like three main instruments in the typical Sega, like the tribal one, which is like a triangle. <laughs> Uh, we have one called uh, Ravan. It's sort of a drum, but it's made with. Uh, it was originally made with uh, goat skin, and then wrapped and on string of bamboos in a circle shape. Mm. Then it would be knitted, and then you would have to put it in the sun for it to have a resounding sound. And then and you have one which is called Maravan. It wow. makes sand sounds. Yeah. So it kind of fits the island a lot. So you can hear the sand shaking, the drums here, and the triangle so it's Amazing. always around the fireplace where we'd sing with rum obviously mm -hmm. and that's how and it has evolved with time it has mixed up with a lot of reggaetons as well so we call it sege that's another variation mm -hmm. of our music we have sege and more and more like uh the keyboard has come in into it 
uh, over the guitar has come into it. So there are more variations in modern Sega, but the three uh, main ingredient ingredients three yeah, main yeah, instruments yeah. were those. So yeah, that's it. Are there any stringed instruments traditionally played, or is it uh, just vocal and percussion? Because you, those are like three percussion yeah, instruments. Yeah, it's said. just vocal and percussion. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, because a lot comes from that. You know, a yeah. lot of what we do comes from uh, music that is just vocal and percussion, and now we play chords over it yeah. to make it sound even better. I'm gonna look that up after Sega. Yeah, Sega. yeah I'm very Sega. Sega as well. Type uh, typical. Sega typique because this is what so if you want to get an original like to the origin uh Tifrea is like the among the 60s he has really that tribal yeah. aspect yeah. of uh, Sega yeah. and then you have a modern times so you will get a lot of it so yeah hmm. so much to do amazing you will discover something amazing I'm sure we have yeah. anytime you dip into a different culture different sound there's infinite things you can take from it and whether we realize it or not, if I go home and listen to music um, of any different culture, I'm going to take little bits and pieces of it that I like mm -hmm. and put it into my own sound. So that's why even when you ask genre, it's like it's hard to genre yeah. because I'm just I'm stealing from everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm taking stuff from uh, stuff that you wouldn't expect, you know, and then mm -hmm. mixing it with with uh, more rock and blues and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know. Yeah, and uh, like uh, one thing which I want to transition to is more like your program uh, into the third part of the show. Like you're all into the music and digital media, media. Yes. music and music digital, digital media. media. Yeah. So all three of you, uh, different years, I guess. I'm or... second year, and they're both first years. First years. Yeah. Yeah. And how? Why? Why this program? You're mm. all talented musicians, mm. and yeah. I always say. Uh, what do you learn from this program? Like, why do musicians who are already talented, why join music and digital media program? Well, I instantly, uh, I, I started jamming right away when I got to the program. And a big part of this was I knew I was going to be meeting other musicians. I was going to be in a classroom full of people who were really talented at what they do. Uh, and that's what I'm looking for. So as I've said, I already created a band called Rust Pump. And that's with two people from the class. So this class already, I knew going into it, I'd form a band, but it has done that for me. Um, along with that, which is the huge, that's one thing that like, you can't find that other places. It was very, I knew going in that I would find a band, which is amazing. Um, the other thing is um, the course offers a lot of things that you would have a hard time figuring out on your own like uh, using DAWs for music. So like uh, Logic Pro or GarageBand and stuff like that, using it in a professional sense, learning how to record uh, video and audio, uh, like getting into the real nitty gritty of music and also music theory. Uh, so I knew, I knew in a lot of ways it'd make me a better musician and I would also be able to be more resourceful with my time. Mm -hmm instead of spending all the time trying to figure out how to use something, I already know how to do it. So I can just focus more on the creativity and the uh, overall plan of things rather than how to do it. So this course just lubricates things, you know, it makes it easier to be a, to be a thriving musician. And how about you, Mason? Well, it was interesting how I found it. And I'm actually kind of glad that uh, I did when I did rather than go a year earlier, just because of, COVID, unfortunately, I feel kind of bad for Joe because his first year kind of 
had a you had a lockdown, didn't you? Yeah, but I gotta say the the second years when I was in first year, they completely had their first year online, so I consider myself ooh, lucky. Ooh. Yeah, that stinks. Yeah, this would not be yeah. a good program online. <laughs> you would get nothing from it. Like it's 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 so in person. It's so yeah, it's in-bound. so in person. Like yeah. I don't know some programs how they do Could've. it online, but like. Could've. You, in person will yeah. always remain you're getting robbed you're getting robbed if you're doing this yeah. online but uh so when i found it it was actually september like at the end of september um i was doing like a lap year kind of thing and i was taking a media class like um you know where like i made a short film and did all that stuff it's horrible so uh you're not gonna see it where can i find it (laughs) (laughs) exactly the back room i guess but uh anyways yeah so i was kind of stuck on like everyone would say oh you got to do the trades you know that's what you have to do that's where you'll make money and all that stuff and i i just i was sitting there and everything that i was looking at just did not make me feel anything that makes sense and then i uh i found this and it was music and it was the media stuff so i was like now hold up that could uh that's a good opportunity yeah and then i looked through it more and more and i was i need to do this this is what i have to do yeah so literally um within days i reached out to mark um our program coordinator and he told me what i needed to do to do this and you have to do this um you have to get an equivalency uh, with a grade six conservatory, I think. Mm-hmm. And we had to do it through this online school that's run out of uh, Britain. Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh, yeah. Edinburgh, yeah. yeah. That's and it. it was uh, it was interesting. Like me, I, I've found a lot of interest in how music theory works and all that. Um, I'm not really as big on the written stuff, but over the year I've come to enjoy it. Um, but I'll tell you, it was a pain. Like the first two weeks, they're easy. I was fine. Week three, brought it up. Week four, and then week five was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we did that, and then I applied, and then somehow I got in. And so far, it's been more than anything I could have imagined, I guess. Uh, the creativity, like where I was as a musician, um, even in August, uh, before the program started, like personally, I feel I've gotten very far, um, just through like developing my ear. Like now you, you could play me anything and I could most likely be able to break it down and just play it from ear, which is like, I, I didn't think I'd be doing that. I thought I was going to be the guys like, Oh yeah, no, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to develop that. But, uh, yeah, no, I've just learned a lot. I jammed a lot, written a lot, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really fun. For usual, being a member of five years of a band and coming to college. Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to be in Kingston first of all. Like I didn't, I didn't, and then I just wanted to find an opportunity here. My my friends all lived in a house. My friends from high school, they live. Uh, we got a house downtown, and I was like, oh, okay, they need a fourth roommate. I'd love to go live with my friends uh, my girlfriend goes to queens here so i'd be close to my girlfriend so i just looked to see what was around and i saw music and digital media and i was like oh my god so then i applied right away um i just saw the music part and then i was like okay digital media whatever um but um 
the digital media part became part that I didn't think I would enjoy as much. I wasn't expecting to be into filmmaking as much as I was. I, I didn't really care about that stuff. I was more into the music, but it, it, there's so many open doors in this program that you're able to, you know, uh, see experience. And that's something that, you know, that it's not everywhere where you can have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, the profs we have uh, are amazing. Um, so Josh Lyon, he's a our uh, videography class, um, our professor, and he's a filmmaker, very talented. Uh, he does a lot of work around Kingston. Um, super talented guy. Uh, we also have you know Mike Castles who does recording and uh, sound design classes. He's also a super talented musician. Uh, he's a drummer as well. So he does t teaches us uh, how to work with uh, you know the, all the music software. Um, we also had John Stewart who teaches the uh, music theory and runs the music workshops. He's a sax player, also a very talented musician. Um, so all our teachers, uh, Mark Bergen, uh, you know, program coordinator, shout out to Mark. Um, Missing Ryan. Was that? Ryan. Oh, I didn't have Ryan last okay, year. Okay, okay. Ryan, Ryan's huge for us. He's, he's, Ryan taught me piano. <laughs> like Ryan's, uh, Ryan taught me most of the music theory I know as of right now. So all, our, <laughs> yeah, all our teachers are very accomplished in uh, the work that they do, yeah, and yeah. they're they're all super talented, and they're they're great mentors and great people to have uh, as yep. teachers. Yeah, yeah. And yep. those are amazing reasons. Like, why if I were a musician, why would I come? And now I know why. Like, uh, I see. Yeah, it makes you a better musician. The yeah. professors are amazing musicians, mm -hmm. which you learn from, right? So mm -hmm. they're you couldn't not benefit from them as long as you're attentive and you're there. You yeah. know. And uh, we are almost at the end of uh, our podcast uh, recording today. It's amazing having such wonderful conversation around music. So I would like to know, like, is there some one last message you would like to, or give a shout out to someone or something you wanted to say to students, think, which, anything, yeah. Join the club, that's mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually said it uh, with that same tone yeah. on the stage the other day, but uh, no, join the club. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. There are going to be uh, some benefits for members of the club that uh, I, I don't know if we've been cleared to say anything yet, so we're not going to say it now, but join <laughs> the club and you can find out. Um, other things like um, I released a song last year. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's called Forsaken. Uh, just put Forsaken Mason uh, because I was not smart. I uh, didn't realize Forsaken's a movie and it's like 20 other songs. <laughs> so um, that's a bit of uh, poor marketing there. That's why I'm here uh, to realize, hey, you know, there's a way to do business uh, that's not smart. But um, yeah, if you want to look that up. And then I'm working on uh, recording a bunch of my songs which will hopefully be out uh, sometime relatively soon. And right. for you, Joao? Well, I just want to point out that we have so many great resources here at, at SLC and so many opportunities. And I, I think with this club and with the pub, we, we just want to create, make something happen, uh, create a real sense of community, you know, make the best use of our resources and just, you know, get everyone together and uh, get something going. Uh, I think, you know, this club and what SLC and what Brandon is doing uh, is going to be an amazing opportunity and I, and I enjoy it. Uh, I encourage everyone to come on out and 
you know, be a part of it and yeah. come to St. Larry's. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, I just want to say uh, thank you again for having us on the podcast. It's amazing right for us to be able to voice some of the behind the scenes mm-hmm. behind uh, our rough exteriors or our musician uh, outers, you know, like yeah. we're, we're again, we're just people who are um, who, t- who are around music and we, we care a lot about it. So it's amazing to get to vent about it. Um, is Bister is my band. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or listen to us on any platform. Uh, and we're going to release uh, music in three days, um, two singles. And uh, Rust Pump is my other band. You can follow us on Instagram. And uh, we're local to Kingston. And uh, for the all the links for the bands, I'll put them in the description below. And uh, also, if you're listening on Spotify, it's in the title. You have all links to their bands, to their resp- respective channels. Uh, Instagram, you have Instagram of uh, music and digital media, St. Larry's also. So keep in touch, like follow and uh, any events and also... You're most welcome to join. Keep track of their latest update, their musical breakthrough, their progress. So stay tuned. They produce great music and join the club. I'm going to join the club. Mm-hmm. And let's see let's if go. I can channel my inner Bruno Mars. So <laughs> that's what Absolutely. we're going to do. And thank you again for being such amazing guests again. You know, Thank you again for... I've learned so much in terms of music just by being with you. The, behind the scene of creating a band uh, you know the touring what goes into uh, it uh, touring Joao uh, for you also Mason uh, you know just starting your career always being very curious you know like, like the silent force always doing stuff and it's amazing and for you as well transitioning from hockey to music yeah. uh, amazing I've learned a lot and I look forward to enjoy your club when uh, I do in uh, February I will have a lot of time yeah, of uh, to of till March May so awesome. I'm looking forward to join that club and thank you again to everyone watching this episode of the voice podcast again it's every Tuesday uh, you get new episodes on Spotify Apple Podcasts and YouTube. So thank you for watching again. And again, have an amazing week at SLC. Thank you. Goodbye.